Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. We're here to talk specifically about the glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture, why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential, and discussing practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. My name is Pastor Cliff, and I'm here with Pastor Matt. And man, it has been a very, very long time since we have done a episode on back in the day back back in the day it's it's been it's been so long and i know since we've recorded our last podcast man things have changed in this world uh we we thought 2020 was going to be a fantastic year and it still is a fantastic year but there's a lot of things that have happened that we did not expect with covid-19 hitting with with schools um being shut down to only online and you know even with the fires that are going on in in california right now we are just kind of in the midst of this chaotic chaotic time. And uh, before we even get into the topic of what we're, we're saying today, I just want to encourage you as a, as a parent, uh, you're doing a great job. Um, I'm sure those teenagers that you're parenting don't, don't express that to you or don't take the time to get outside of themselves to tell you that. But we just want to tell you today, right now, wherever you're listening to this, you are doing a great job. And God has specifically designed you to be um, your child's dad or mom for a reason. And so um, if today's been a tough one, uh, I just want to <laughs> encourage you to take a moment and write down all the positive things that have happened since March. <laughs> since that time where everything was shut down, what are some positive things that have happened? And uh, what we're going to try to do today um, is, is hopefully give you some ideas and thoughts on how you can navigate school being online. So Pastor Matt, can you introduce our our guest today? Yeah, so we have here uh, from William Jessup University, uh, Dr. Nathan Herzog, and uh, um, he's the dean over the School of Education, and uh, and just a great guy. I um, mean, you know, he has um, three teenagers of his own. I think he said two high schoolers and one middle schooler, and I believe one of them, your middle schooler. It's a daughter, correct? That's and right. she she did that's a performance right. actually at Jessup recently with some puppets and singing. She did, and she oh, was right. excellent um, in that. Actually, I highly recommend people getting a chance to go see her <laughs> friend, her and her friend do uh, one of their performances. But uh, that's cool. But um, he also yeah. uh, kind of a common connection that um, Nate and myself and, and Cliff actually have is that we've all had a chance to experience some mentorship and guidance from uh, Dr. Carlo Walth, who uh, has led a lot of mentoring sacred arts. And some of those spiritual disciplines, and so yeah. uh, so that's been a cool connection. But uh, but you know, uh, Doctor Herzog comes with so much um, uh, recommendation. Like when we were talking to people about you know who would be a number of good people to talk to during all this, um, his name came up multiple times. Yep. And and just your role at Jessup and helping lead uh, you know a university and an educational um, environment through through their element, but then you're also doing that as a parent with your own family. Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Pastor Pastor Matt and Pastor Cliff. Appreciate being here. Uh, excited to be here with the Bridgeway family and talk with you about family issues and educational issues, social issues, and how they're all kind of coming together right now and impacting us in a number of ways. I am a dad, and I have three kids, and they are incredible. I have a beautiful wife, and a very, very good family, and excited to share this opportunity with you guys talk about these topics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're excited. I mean, the, the, the thing about this podcast, the thing where we're talking about today is, look, how can we, to our best knowledge, equip these parents? And so, um, Nathan, I mean, you, since you are 
the dean of education at Jessup, which is my alma mater, which is awesome, and I love that. Here, here. <laughs> um, so, what have you seen um, in the course of education? Like, how has how how has education grown in facilitating online learning? Well, first of all, thanks for that introduction. And I think my kids should listen to that, maybe to be reminded, <laughs> I think, of how hard we're all working and yeah. care about each other. And thank you. I think, uh, first of all, uh, anyone and everyone is a teacher right now. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah, want to improve good. that, you should come to Jessup and become a teacher and get some training in that. Happy to have you uh, in one of our classes and amazing programs. Um, but... You know, to equip everyone, it, it really is helpful to build a network of folks that you can trust and rely on for a support system. Yeah, that's good. Um, but, you know, besides that support, we can't always be educating. And so who are we first? And really that identity as a family can't mm-hmm. be broken down. Yeah. So I think we have to remain as a family. We're not, we're not all teachers all the time. But there are periods of time where we have to lean into education and we still need to focus on the family and relational side when we're in our house Mm. and when we're focusing on these new tasks. So I think, first of all, we really have to get equipped with being part of the educational experience and buy into that more than ever. So we have to believe that's important and, and actually get connected with the teachers. They have oh, more yeah, time no, that's, yeah. to respond. Makes sense. And if you don't have an open, if you haven't opened a line of communication yet with your teachers in the high school, middle, elementary age, you need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and open that communication line to understand how can I support my child? Because your teacher knows those ways to do that. Yeah. If it's through their website, through the school portal, or pathways or other ways Mm -hmm. that the school is using those platforms, you need to get familiar with those. Yeah, definitely. Um, So use the resources that are available to you. And number one, being their teacher is their teacher. Mm -hmm. And and leaning into what their objectives are and their goals are, they need to become yours too. Yeah. Yeah. That's super good. So like like when an example be... When you're reaching out to them, sometimes you need to even find out what their goal is as a teacher, maybe, and what they're trying to teach or have the students do as learning experiences, right? To even yeah. get into some of the detail. I mean, not crazy, like you don't have to know every single page of every, but but to really find out what their overall object, objectives are. Right. right? So if, they're, if they expect them to be reading 30 minutes a day, you know, setting up that system in your home so they do that is important. I think... Um, also, and this this gets into the family side a little bit, but creating a schedule that's similar to the school day in your home mm-hmm. is really helpful mm-hmm. and, and critical because we're going to go back to school. Yeah. And if they're not ready for that schedule, it's going to be another shock, yeah, another layer. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. having them go through their classes as they would in the day with connection time on the computer is a really helpful thing to schedule in the learning. So so another question I would love to piggyback on the this first one that Cliff asked is how has education been adapting itself in positive ways to lead students in this season? Because they've obviously had to re for some teachers they're having to totally reapproach the ways they've learned, but yeah. but a lot of institutions and like like universities as well as um you know a lot of uh uh, uh primary and tertiary schools they're they're 
finding new ways and creative ways. So what are some of the things that you've kind of seen or that maybe have even been discussions among educators in the, in the upper levels that we, you know, that that's uh, a pulse of the experience that's happening. That's such a good question because early on in education, it was teacher centered, right? We all went to the teacher. They were the sage on the stage. They had all the information and we had to get it out of their head. Then we had a, a more recent shift to student-centered, where we look at the student and we say, how do they learn best? And the teacher brings the learning to them. Well, now, now we're doing what I call family-centered, where we're bringing education to the family. And, and it really hasn't been done like this in the past. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to shift and make education think, how does the family as a unit support education? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it, can you also, too, kind of taking a step back here for a second, can you help us as families, as parents, as, as even teenagers potentially listening to this, What what is all the work that teachers and educators like yourself and um, faculty are going through right now um, to help us understand a little bit as far as the other side of things that we're not seeing? Well, that, there is a lot of work going into play. And last spring where people were fast forwarded into online forced formats. Yeah. That was a shock to yeah. the system. Mm-hmm. Now we had a summer of uncertainty, not sure if we were going to go back or not. Yep. And there wasn't as much time as people think to prepare for even this season mm-hmm. when the decision was made. So there is a lot of work. When you take curriculum and shift it from face to face to online and try to still transition that learning across somehow and have students buy in and own it and then be able to assess their understanding of that. That just takes another level of, of attention and, 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 you know, planning that, that really a lot of teachers haven't thought about. Yeah. Um, so because of that, um, teachers are, and I know this, are working harder than ever yeah. with care and as doing as much as they can. Now, just like in the classroom, there's varying levels of ability yeah. online. Mm-hmm. And so totally. you're, you're going to get, you're going to get this variance of skills, even from the teacher that's going to become very evident because now parents are watching their kids' lessons. And that, that could be quite a shock, right? Yeah. Where teachers aren't in their classroom doing, but we're seeing them teach often when we walk by and in those situations. So, so they're working harder than ever uh, and doing the best they can, but they have to take the lesson or find a lesson and get students there and present that, and then they have to assess it. And the assessment, without encouraging cheating, yeah, you know, and, and totally. we, we need to be mindful of that, um, they have to figure out if students have mastered the content in some way. And so doing that the best way possible is what teachers are doing right now, trying to design the curriculum and plan assessments that are transferable through virtual environments. Yeah, it's, I can't even imagine what, what teachers <laughs> are, are, are going through right now. Because even in, you know, with the youth group, you know, we've, we've been doing online stuff and we've been doing Zoom meetings and whatnot and, and just getting kids to engage in that 
where you're not getting graded, where I'm not judging you for your grammar or anything like that is, is really hard. So I, I can't even imagine what it, what teachers or principals, vice principals are really, really going through now because it's, it, it is, it is nuts. And the field seems, seems to keep changing like all the yeah. time because then there's district dynamics and there's privacy dynamics. And I know that that's becoming a constant challenge because you know, parents, you know, or, or schools aren't sure. Can they, can they ask students to have their video on and then, you know, do they not have to, and then how do they, you know, work with zoom when things first started for this semester to create a new authentication process. And, and I think what's funny is that, you know, the, the districts and the teachers are figuring this all out and then they're trying to communicate it as quickly as they can to the parents. And then the parents are trying to figure it out. <laughs> and so everybody's in the, yeah. the constant learning curve. And, um, and that's where I think one encouragement just of us talking about this initially, like all three of us is that it's good to be reminded of the grace <laughs> all the way across because, um, although, you know, we have ideals, all the way through, there's a lot, there's a lot happening and a lot of changes and moving pieces. Yeah. And I think just kind of add to that off topic for a second, but also it's kind of on topic as well. I think during this season of COVID and being stuck indoors, like we all get very sensitive, more sensitive than we, than we normally are. And what I do you got to say? No, right. <laughs> I'm attacking you, Pastor Matt, directly. Um, but I think we have to be very aware of that because, I mean, I've found myself more sensitive than, than I've ever been. It's not really anyone's fault, but just the fact that I haven't been able to do the things that I normally do. And so you translate that into so many other areas of life. And as a teenager, you know, for you, you parents who are listening to this as a teenager, they already have to deal with so many, um, social anxieties, uh, normally. And that, those social anxieties sometimes go up a bunch over zoom. Um, right. And so these, these teachers are trying their best. Um, and they're, a lot of these teachers are just working so hard, you know, like you're saying, Nate, and then sometimes it's hard to translate because the students, it's hard for them, then them to connect. And all I'm truly just saying here is because of the sensitivity that we are in, it it just heightens everybody else's awareness of how tough things are getting. Mm. And as soon as you share your feelings, as soon as you, as soon as you share your thoughts, then you start to feel maybe I shouldn't be so sensitive or maybe I should be trying something else or I wish I could go outside or wait it there's smoke and then you know (laughs) yeah one of my favorite things that Bob Goff says is what's the best possible reason that person did or said that Hmm. and putting that in your mind and even for a teacher you know you might have gotten a document or even a child getting something wrong that appears to be right for you Email the teacher, have grace. I, I think that is great feedback today. Mm-hmm. Uh, full of grace and, and understanding is how we need to be as families. Yep. And if you don't get the same from the teacher, you know, they, they may be going through an incredibly difficult time with the workload and their own life circumstances. They may have lost someone due to COVID. There, there's all kinds of explanations around that. But yeah, Full of grace is an important thing. I think we need to teach ourselves and our kids as we move through this season. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I ask a little bit more of a challenging question? I mean, these are all yeah. challenging Let's questions. Let's do it. But, uh, but that's just, what percentage, and I know this is a total shot in the dark, what percentage of teachers do you think actually um, understand or grasp that family-centered learning right now? Do you think that's recognized across the board um you know are are all teachers and and administrators educators are they 
all on that page or is that kind of a even itself uh here is what is happening hopefully people will all learn it what what have you kind of observed maybe with or heard from discussions that are that are going on yeah anecdotally as a phd and leaning into research i can't say with any significance that my what i'm going to say is is not founded um but yeah i mean i've i've heard from a lot of educators I have about 20 superintendents that sit on a board that I interact with regularly um, and a lot of teachers and administrators in the community. But, you know, I think it's smaller than what people think, but in the 20% range, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one in five educators may have realized that it's family-centered right now, but may be resisting it. Yeah. So I think 100% have realized that we're there now. Uh, but can't wait till we go back, yeah, or till they retire, <laughs> or till they're done. And, and but I think we education is better when the family is engaged. And the closer we get to the family, the more influence and impact we're going to have on these kids' lives. So educators catering to families is a good thing. Yeah, and any educator that resists that. I think is not providing the best possible education for that child. You can put that on a shirt, family centered learning. Yeah. We can we can make it. What's funny about it is, you know, I do a lot of work with Old Testament Hebrew Bible and a lot of this is how the ancient world <laughs> was is it was yeah. family based learning. Yeah. You you learned as a family, the community was involved in it. So yeah. it's it, to me it's there's an irony in that about okay. how education has come around back to to that. Well, it's the beginning of an article that you and I could partner in. Yes. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> theology behind it. I would need your help with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's super good. I, I mean, I just love that that picture. That that picture of of a family doing these things together. Um, my my mom was a high school math teacher back in the day. She was my teacher. I was her best student, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> she is helping. Were you an only child? Did you get? I was not. An okay. Only child. Did you get grounded if you got a problem wrong? Uh, That's my real question. Uh, no. And, <laughs> but anyways, okay. Uh, but she is now. Uh, she's retired, and uh, you know she's doing a lot of um, teaching over over Zoom. But it's tutoring. That's really what she's doing. But anyway, she is helping my little cousin go through school right now. And so my little cousin is dropped off at her house and he sits down at their kitchen table and she helps him do do school. And it's kind of a cool thing. It's also really hard, but it's also really cool too because she gets that connection with him and also he has support, uh, which you don't really get when you're in school in person. You know, you don't really get that support by a parent. And and my mom is a very straight shooter, and so she's not doing his homework for him. Like he's doing all the work, but she's just there as like a support, you know. And I, I think if you're listening to this, which you are, because you hear my voice right now, as a as a parent, um, I think for for a second, just think about the fact that you've you're getting a little bit more time with your kid, and you're a part of the process of learning that is going to develop them as an as an adult in the future. Um, and so this this family-based learning that we're stepping into can potentially be something that you look back as a parent and you're like, man, I'm so glad that I was invested during that time as much as I could. Because we know with you having a job and also the kids being at home, it's really hard to navigate that. How do you, do you still work? Do you only work from home? Do you have somebody in help? You? Like I, we all know that's the struggle that you're dealing with now. 
But I, I think there's some glimpses of hope that we can have uh, that can that can help us kind of view it a little bit differently. Yeah, you know, even when I we, – we train teachers. We have 250 people earning a teaching credential right now at William Jessup University. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're very nervous. Yeah. They get nervous about being teachers. So I can't imagine yep. a parent that has never had any training yep. forced into this situation and they have a textbook in front of them or a subject on a computer and their child looks at them and says, help. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of like during the headlights, stuck in a moment – but the truth is the beauty in education, the best educators may not even know the subject, but they say, hey, what if you had to teach me? Hey, how would you teach me this subject? And say that to your child hmm. or learn together. Yeah. It's not the people that have all the answers that are the best teachers. Yeah, that's it's the super people, good. It's the people that scaffold and equip children or students to help them find it within themselves. And so, <laughs> That's so good. that piece is so if you're just willing to sit by a child and encourage them and say, keep going, you are doing incredible. I am supporting you. That's more effective in the research than any amount of homework. Yeah. That's according to Marzano, just throwing a reference. Yeah. <laughs> One of the leading educators in the United States has said and done research that if you just encourage a child, they will be more effective on tests than if you give them any homework at all. And so doing that can be effective as a parent. Yeah, that's 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 super good. Yeah, no, and this is uh this is all really really good conversation because you know there's so many parents in so many situations. And I know there's some of you that are listening that are going, but you guys don't understand my time. You don't understand what's going on. Yep. And the, and there's circumstances and there's context that that affects all that. Um and that's where like we know that for some of you there's a loss of you had a little bit more free time when your kids were in school <laughs> and and your rhythm was was different and so not only have your teens rhythm shifted but your rhythm has shifted and so i know we know a lot of you are still trying to navigate that transition and that's why we're hoping that just even as you're listening to this that you can hear the encouragement of hey this is worth that shift momentarily one this is not forever and i think we have to do that with so many challenging situations in life. This, this situation is not forever. Um, so which is it, hard to see that right now. It is very hard to see that. And so, um, but to, but to hear that, but to know the role that you have within it. And so I think that naturally leads into, um, our next question, which yep. is going to use up the rest of this time. And then our next episode is also going to be kind of continuing on this. And that's, um, what, what are more specifics about what your primary role can be? We've started opening this door already, but, um, but Nathan, we would love to, or Nate, we would love to, uh, have you share a little bit more of um, what would that primary role be in supporting and leading? And let's talk about high school teens specifically as a start. We can do middle school as well, but but obviously, um, like I have a middle school boy as well, and I know that they're all still doing almost a full day of Zoom versus elementary, who it's more limited to a couple hours, and the the amount of teaching time is left is less. And so, so for, for teens, what are some of the primary roles on how parents can be doing some of this family supporting and encouragement? That That's a very important question. And I think it is unique to each student's needs, but I'll answer some general options and, and kind of my family's going through this. So we tried some things and some have worked, some haven't, uh, but we adjust, but really parents know their children best. They know their emotional state. They know their physical state. They know their performance before COVID. 
They know their goals and what is success for each individual student. Uh, just for example, I have several families that have severely handicapped children that are in the home full-time right now. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly stressful yeah. on a family when trying to make progress with academic goals that were sent home and uh, not to mention supporting the special needs of your child every day, uh, where previously you had credentialed and uh, highly skilled people supporting these people for, for a period of time in the day. Now they're in home. And then we have advanced learners. We have the other side of the spectrum where students are way ahead of their peers. Mm-hmm. And, and Rapid learners and, and they, all those type yes, of programs. Yes, and so we have this spectrum where families probably know where in this range their children lie. Regardless of where your child lies, you need to encourage them to make progress and not sit stagnant. So keep the high expectations and take on that acceptance. But I started off mentioning a schedule. And this is so important because I believe what I'm also coining as a reduction in educational stamina. We have many kids that have been out of school since March. And their ability to concentrate and listen and focus has waned. We have to build that back in. Yep, you're right. And so this educational stamina or just concentration and attention deficit, right, just normal paying attention, we have to encourage that stamina and building in energy and focus into how do I pay attention to something for an hour without the distractions? We can't compete with YouTube. We can't compete with the videos and education can't compete with that. Yep. We have to help our children make choices where they choose not to focus on the flashy and the attention seekers, Yep. but to invest in their education, which is, it's going to equip them for the rest of their life. Hard work now will pay off later. Yeah. And, and so our role really is to help our children, you know, make progress. And I think we have to help them with a schedule that intensifies focused learning and help them get over those distractions. And I've heard a lot of a lot of challenges to you know uh, public schools and how they're socially influencing children. Well, the last several months, our families have had an opportunity to provide their own influence. Yep, you're right. And and encouraging that, and this is a, a neat opportunity for families to help analyze and understand concepts from their perspective too. Yeah. And so in understanding those concepts and sharing, hey, this is, we haven't really had time to discuss this. Rather than putting on the TV, asking your child about something you heard they were learning. Yeah. And then saying, gosh, when I was growing up, it was this way. Yeah. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And getting them to share about their learning and coursework. I think families can be more of all, and that's what I meant about family-centered learning. Mm-hmm. Is it not just educators bringing the learning to family, but families buying into that yeah. and encouraging conversations that allow them to influence their own child? Yeah, and then flipping the conversation where the, the student leads kind of what they're learning rather than the parent leads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... we. Yeah, we have to be comfortable with that. Yep. We have to teach children how to be comfortable with not knowing or being wrong. <laughs> saying, I don't know. Saying, and, and yeah. saying, I'll find out. Yeah. Or let's find out together. Mm-hmm. Th- those those are wonderful statements, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And y- you guys probably know the statistics, but before COVID, 
20% of people experience a mental health issue. That's a lot. Yeah. Last June, the CDC came out with a report that 40% of people in, you know, in the COVID period yeah. are experiencing a mental health issue. It doubled. Yeah. That's nearly half of the population. It's crazy. So we have to help navigate the disappointment. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this season has been disappointment after disappointment yep. after disappointment. Very few wins in 2020. Mm-hmm. There's very few exciting celebration moments. Yep. We have to get better at encouraging each other to get through disappointment and overcome mental health challenges. I'm more concerned about that as an educator than loss of learning. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's so many, so many good pieces that we could keep talking about. And so that's where we want to encourage you. Um, we're just about out of time and we want to encourage you towards um, listening to our next episode. We're going to have a part two on this where we're going to get even more into some of the practical pieces that we just started talking about here at the end. And so make sure to, to listen. And um, Pastor Cliff and I want to encourage you, if you have other issues, questions, dynamics that you want us to talk about, you can email cwoodward at bridgeway.church or ask at bridgeway.church. And those are two places that you can um, email in questions or, or 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 thoughts on some of this stuff. And uh, again, you know, this is a resource to to start the dialogue, to remind you parents and encourage you that you're not alone, and uh, and to kind of sometimes just pick up a tool or or a, or a new learning style or a new new element here or there to be able to use in how you parent your teens. And so Pastor we'll, Matt, real quick, in yeah. part two, I'm going to give a list of online resources for parents to lean into. To teach at home. Oh, perfect. Nice. That means you want to have a pen or pencil or your phone notes ready, but not while you're driving. No. (laughs) So, all right. Thanks for uh, listening to Engaging Parenting, and we'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.